0: You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt, part of Kindling Kids Radio.
1: It's about computer stuff.
0: I'm good at computer stuff. You're off my Snapchat.
1: We're signing you up for online dating. Oh, okay. What?
0: Kindling has spent the last few episodes focusing on safety for children online with the hope that we can help you as a parent navigate the often overwhelming world of tech and online safety with kids. We've been doing this in partnership with the Office of the E-Safety Commissioner. Part of the research done by the office has identified the top three parental concerns. Today, we're looking at the second of these, access to inappropriate content. Joining us to discuss this, we have the eSafety Commissioner, Julie Inman-Grant, and Dr. Justin Coulson, Parenting Educator. Welcome to you both. Thank you so much, Siobhan.
2: Awesome to be here.
0: Justin, I know I always start our conversations with this statement of fact, but you have five children. No, I have
2: six. I have six. And yeah, so every but, time I get al- this. Although on any day it could change depending on whether I'm feeling frisky or whether I've had enough of the kids. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I,
0: I always, whatever it is, it's more than two. So I always mention it. Um, have your children ever stumbled across something inappropriate?
2: Not only have they stumbled across inappropriate content. I mean, we know, we, we, we just know. The research tells us. Now, of course, you're not allowed to ask an eight-year-old or a 10-year-old whether they've been, viewing pornography that's not ethical researchers can't go and ask that question but when we ask people who are 18 and above at what age they were first exposed to pornography we know that they're being exposed the great thing for me is that my kids they're all girls girls are less likely than boys to to be exposed to explicit material um there only one has been and she was most unhappy about it. The other ones are really open about talking about it and they haven't been, which is great. But that doesn't mean it doesn't happen. The frightening thing for me though is not that they've been exposed to explicit material, but that they've been pressured and coerced to provide explicit material. Fortunately, um, my children have got me for a dad so they've heard the story they've heard the drill they know what to do and they've come and talked to me about it and they've they've, they've made good decisions that have preserved their uh, their safety and their digital reputations but boy oh boy you know when when you you have your daughter come to you and say you need to see these text messages that this person has sent me, or I screenshotted this Snapchat, or uh, you know here's what's been happening on Instagram, and they they show you the coercion that's coming from boys who are 13 years old, or or when your daughter jumps in the car after she's met up with some friends in the mall. And she says, oh, yeah, so um, guess what? I just got a message. I met this friend of a friend in the mall. I Facebook friended him on the spot because he's a friend of a friend and I know my friend and trust my friend. And so therefore they're all friends. And, you know, Facebook's changed the definition of friend. So now we're friends. I've known him for five minutes and he's already asked me how far I'll go or whether I'll send him a nude. Um, you know, this, this sort of stuff it's it's so present and a lot of parents are saying oh it doesn't happen to my kids and it's well you're not talking to your kids number 1 or maybe your kids are lucky number 2 or number 3 you're not aware of it because you don't think it's out there because it's not happening to you but let's take a step back and remember that you are 40 plus years old and the people who are doing this are not looking for you they're looking for your kids so the the materials out there the risks are out there and and it happens Not to everybody, but it certainly happens across the board. This is not unusual behaviour.
0: Can I ask, Justin, the daughter that was exposed to the content, how old was she at that time?
2: Yeah, she was in her mid-teens.
0: Okay. And um, when you speak about the drill that you give them as a parent, you touched on it there. At what age did you start the drill?
2: This is a controversial question. I get in trouble consistently for suggesting that we start much earlier than most parents are comfortable hearing me suggest that that's the age that it should be. So, based on evidence, it seems that children are being exposed to pornography on average male and female, the average age of exposure is around 10. It might be 9, it might be 11. We we kind of don't know cuz it's hard to get good data. Julie might shed some light on this. I don't know if you've seen data that I haven't seen on this, but it seems to be about 10-ish.
1: For boy, Australian boys, 11 years old.
2: Right. Okay. Yes. So so somewhere around there. And girls will be older. Uh, we, we have we have girls being exposed at much older ages. And when I go into schools and give talks on this topic, um, I, I take a snap poll and I just say to the boys, usually they're all you know, 16, 17, 18. I'm like, okay, well, just Put up your hand. Was it younger than ten? And a handful of hands will go up. Was it ten? Was it eleven? And usually it's somewhere around that eleven or twelve year age group. But there's plenty that are still putting up their hands at younger ages. So I recommend to parents that they start talking about body safety and and you know just what bodies are for and how bodies work and using appropriate names for anatomy from from the start. That they start talking about intimacy uh, from probably around about the age of six ish. Now, I'm being really general here. I, every family is going to be different. Uh, and that they start talking about procreation with more specificity around seven or eight. And that they start talking about pornography before their kids are in grade five. Um, because my guess is grade five is about the age of 11, which means that when my kids are going into grade five, I want them to know what pornography is. I want them to know what explicit content is. And I want them to... I mean, the, the, the drill goes like this. Hey, have you ever heard of something called pornography? Pornography. And kids will usually say no at the age of ten, even if they have heard of it. Because they don't want to tell their parents that they've heard of it. And 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 so we we might spend a minute or two talking about what pornography is. And then the question will be, I know it probably sounds a little bit weird, but there are some people who are interested in, in viewing pornography. You know, there's curiosity. Um, have, have have you heard of it happening in your school? So I start really wide. You know, is it happening at school? Do you hear anyone talking about it? And then I bring it in, I'll say have any of your friends ever talked about it? Have any of your friends ever been exposed to it? Have they ever, you know, been involved with it? And then I'll bring it even closer to home and I'll say, have any of your friends ever talked to you about it? Have you ever been shown it? Have you ever searched for it yourself? And so we're starting nice and wide so they feel comfortable and they're comfortable talking in generalities. And slowly but surely we bring it into a nice specific point. And whether they have or not, kind of it only matters from the point of view that you might change what you're talking about. But what matters most is what happens next. And that is what when you say to your child, so if it ever did happen, what do you think is the best way to respond? Uh, would you be willing to come to me and talk about it? Why do you think I'd be concerned about it? Where do you think the best place to go is to discuss things like this? And so you're really trying to empower them to come up with some, some good rules for themselves to make good decisions not if, but when, they're exposed, whether it's in grade five or whether it's in grade nine, um, the likelihood is that they'll be exposed. And so we're pre-arming them. And that's the that's the drill. As they get older, once they're in high school, you start talking about Snapchat and Tumblr and um, Twitter and Facebook and um, Instagram and you, you start saying, you know, people might start approaching you. If somebody approaches you, these are the sorts of questions that they'll ask you. They might ask you what, what you're wearing. Or they might ask you what you've got underneath what you're wearing. You know, th- these are the kind of normal progressions that these conversations take. How would you respond? And you teach them, don't delete this. This is important that you keep it. We need to have evidence. And then you teach them that you must come and talk to a responsible adult. Uh, and, and this is how we kind of guide them through this, this stage, this phase.
0: So, Julie, what Justin's saying that's resonating with you and what your experience is at the commission?
1: Yeah, well, I'm actually thinking about the talk that I need to have with my kids right now. Like, for instance, my five-year-old twins, I probably shouldn't be talking about the privates in terms of fruit. (laughs) The peach, the banana and mommy's pineapple. Um, So maybe we need to talk about um, real anatomy. I look at the work I do at the commission also as a lens of a parent because parents are the cohort that we're really trying to reach. They're the most difficult cohort to reach. They're busy. They may be handing over the iPad as the digital babysitter and they may not be engaged and involved in their kids' online lives. When my eldest daughter was five years old, she was enamored with My Little Pony and we went on YouTube and were looking for My Little Pony and we found a different kind of pony ride, if you catch my drift. <laughs> yeah, so so kids can stumble upon um, pornography. And it's not just that there's a proliferation of pornography or violent content out there. It's that it's incredibly violent. A lot of it is escalating. So it's not the garden variety pornography that um, we used to steal from, you know, dad's penthouse under the bed. Um, there is wide, ready access to vast amounts of very violent, degrading, um, and concerning pornography that could impact our children's development. So, yes, it's definitely a a concern for the commission. Then um, when you get to the tween and teenage, of course, you know, teenagers are programmed to be curious and take risks. And yes, they'll um, they'll be looking for it. And so I wholeheartedly agree with Justin that we need to start the conversations with our kids early and often. We're trying to get them to develop more cyber judgment, better resilience, critical thinking skills, but to to also have those open and honest conversations so that if they come across something that makes them uncomfortable or is confronting, they'll come talk to you or another trusted adult.
0: Justin, I just want to bring you in there because one of the things that I keep thinking of when we talk about, you know, if we're talking about the under sixes and like your daughters coming across, luckily they were with you when that happened. But I can imagine if children don't understand, if they're very young and they see something like pornography, um, regardless of whether it's violent or if it's just sex, that for a young child, that could be quite upsetting. And I'm wondering if you have any advice for how parents can talk to their child once that exposure has happened?
2: It really depends on the context. So it's hard to give general advice. It depends on the age of the child. It depends on where they were when they were exposed, how they felt about it. Uh, Most parents will tell me that when they've talked to their younger children, that the kids will often say things like, "Um, I kind of felt a bit icky uh, that's that's probably the best descriptor. It just kind of felt a little bit ee, ee, in, inside. Uh, but there's also, a, for many children, not for all, but for many children, there's also a real curiosity. And so from a parenting perspective, what we want to do is encourage the conversation, which means we can't shut it down. We can't be critical. We can't be angry. We might be inside seething that there are people out there who are literally targeting children with this material for whatever inappropriate and foul and sick reason. Um, it's, it's just not okay. But being angry in that moment at our child or at, or at our child's friend's parents who had the sleepover where this occurred and didn't supervise appropriately, there's no point going there and doing that in the moment with our children. What we instead want to do is ask ourselves a couple of questions. Number one, who do I want to be the sex educator of my child? Do I want the internet to be in charge of my child's sex education? Or do I want to be in charge? And if it's going to be me, then we want to start a conversation. And it, uh, my, my number one advice to parents is, number one, always be calm. And number two, be led by your child's curiosity. Uh, if your child doesn't want to talk about it, if they're not curious, if they'd rather just put it behind them, then that's fine. Let let it go and say, I'm always here to talk and set up a couple of rules to help them. Not demanding next time, this is what I expect of you, but instead, well, if this happens again, where do you think is the best way to go? What's the best way to deal with it? So again, we're trying to empower them rather than be authoritarian towards them. They're much more likely to think it through maturely, even at a young age, if we're not In their ear telling them how it's got to be and if i ever catch you doing this again because what happens is that forbidden fruit actually becomes quite tantalizing and all of a sudden they start thinking even if they are only six or seven don't worry dad you won't catch me doing that again i'll be much (laughs) trickier and sneakier next time i just won't tell you Uh, so we we just want to keep the communication channels open and ask them questions be guided by their curiosity stay calm that that would be the the simplest advice i'd give
0: you're listening to Kindling Conversation, and this is part of our Safety Net series, Keeping Our Kids Safe Online, and we're speaking with Dr. Justin Coulson, who's a parenting educator and author, and Julie Inman-Grant, who's the Children's E-Safety Commissioner. Julie, you were nodding vigorously then when Justin was talking about um, how we might talk to our kids once they've been exposed this way. And after all we've talked about, this seems like a stupid question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Can we actually have things in place to prevent this happening? I know we, we don't know that we can completely prevent it, but are there safety measures as parents that we can put in place that is some kind of protection?
1: Right, well, there are there are a couple of things um, there. Um, my office has been um, charged by the government with looking into su- suggested strategies for government in terms of how to tackle this issue. Um, the other thing that parents should do aside from sitting down and talking to their kids and being engaged in their online lives knowing what they're doing who they're talking to what they're they're looking at is when they're setting up setting up programs for them, particularly at the younger ages, making sure they're they're setting up the privacy settings and the parental controls. There are technology solutions that that can help um, parents ensure that their kids are having safer experiences. But I'd also warn that technology, in and of itself, is never a panacea. You know, we're, you're never going to. Totally prevent access because techn- technological protections can be circumvented, and um, you just don't want to have that set and for- forget mentality. And and that resilience and critical thinking that we want to develop in our children, so that they they know how to react appropriately, is is a really important defense. So um, pre- you know there is there are some forms of prevention, but um, again, be- engagement is going to be really important. I also want to note that. These conversations are are really awkward, and sometimes they don't happen because parents don't know how to have that birds and the bees conversation with the technical manual anymore. And thanks to uh, Dr. Coulson, he spent um, a lot of time providing some resources on esafety.gov.au on a wide range of topics, including what to do when someone shows your child pornography, um, six strategies for when your child accidentally finds online pornography, and then how to talk about pornography with children as young as 8 for, for kids that are 8 to 12 and then for teenagers because you're obviously having very different conversations at different levels of uh, child's development.
2: Yeah, you know, just listening to what Julie has said, something struck me that I, that I really want to emphasise. I'm, I'm a supporter of using appropriate safeguards um, to, to protect children. Uh, in the same way that I'm a supporter of fencing the pool you know it, it keeps children out of obvious and immediate danger but you can't fence the ocean and relying on technology to keep your children safe will simply well it will ultimately fail because they'll be at a friend's house who doesn't have the same protections or they'll be at school or they'll be on the bus or they'll be somewhere I the number of parents who have come and spoken to me after a a seminar that I've run a presentation somewhere and said, you know, my, my eight-year-old was on the school bus and one of the year six boys said, hey, look at this and stuck something in front of him that was violent and degrading and explicit and it's affected him. Or my 11-year-old was a, at a sleepover and the parents went to bed and the kids pulled out the iPads and they started looking up rude words. And you know, it was innocent when it began, but now my 11-year-old feels sick and doesn't want to see his friends anymore because it's just made him feel so awful. A- and I've got and I'm sure Julie has as well countless stories of good parents and good kids who have just been had this thrust upon them in spite of the very best conversations and the very best intentions. So, no matter how hard we try, we need to be aware that it, it's almost guaranteed. It's not guaranteed, but it's almost guaranteed to happen. And when it does, ideally, we'll have already had the conversation with our children. Now, I'm not suggesting, by the way, if somebody's listening with a four-year-old that they say, right, we, we need to talk <laughs> about this now. Actually, my, my number one piece of advice for parents of young children is have every serious conversation about pornography, about drugs, about sex and intimacy, about whatever. You pick the topic. All serious conversations need to be had at least once by the age of two. <laughs> not that the children will understand what you're saying. But you can but- say but you've, it. Had it. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've had it. But, but you've had practice mm. starting to talk about this stuff out loud. Because when the moment arrives, if you haven't had some level of practice, it's, it's actually kind of hard to do it. As Julie said, it's, it's a bit tricky. But you can't fence the ocean, so have the conversation in an, in an age-appropriate way. You know, the resources are at the esafety.gov.au website. Uh, have the appropriate conversation with your children and let them lead it and follow their curiosity and, and pre-arm them.
0: We've got so much to think about just in this one episode. Justin, Julie, thank you so much for coming in.
2: Ah, It's been a pleasure.
0: Thank you so much. That was Dr. Justin Coulson, parenting educator and the eSafety Commissioner, Julie Inman-Grant. And we will put those resources along with this episode online this afternoon, just head to kindling.com.au. You've been listening to a Kindling Conversation podcast. We'd like to reach as many parents as possible, and you can help us by giving us a review wherever you downloaded this episode. It means that more people can find us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.